Good morning, everyone. It's time for another edition of Transformation Radio. In your ocean, I'm ankle deep. I feel the waves crashing on my feet. It's like I know where I need to be, but I can't figure out. I can't figure out Just how much air I will need to breathe When your tide rushes over me There's only one way to figure out Will you let me drown? Yeah, will you let me drown? I just want something beautiful to touch me I know that I'm married Cause I am down on my knees I'm waiting for something beautiful And for years I was scared of it We can't be sure when it will subside So I won't leave your side No, I can't leave your side Hey now, this is my desire Consume it like a fire Cause I just want something beautiful to touch me Just want something beautiful to touch me As we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. 
The sacrilegious object that causes desecration refers to the desecration of the temple by God's enemies. We'll read about that here in Scripture today. This happened repeatedly in Israel's history. In the year 597 B.C., when Nebuchadnezzar looted the temple and took Judean captives to Babylon. In 168 B.C., when Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a pig to Zeus on the sacred temple altar. Again in AD 70, when the Roman general Titus placed an idol on the site of the burned-out temple after the destruction of Jerusalem. Just a few years after Jesus gave this warning in AD 38, the emperor Caligula made plans to put his own statue in the temple. But he died before this could be carried out. Now, Some Christian couples who are contemplating pregnancy have been discouraged by this verse we'll read here today. They wonder if kids should be brought into a world filled with sin and filled with evil and terror. Jesus was not making a general warning against pregnancy. Many times in history, we've had risks and drawbacks. No place or time is perfect. We must remember that God will look out for the welfare of our children as He has looked out for us. You made it through, (laughs) so will they. Now, we'll read about the chosen ones. These are God's chosen people, those who are saved. Is it possible for Christians to be deceived? Well, of course, yes. So convincing will be the arguments and proofs from deceivers in the end times that it will be difficult not to fall away from Christ. If we're prepared, Jesus says, we can remain faithful. But if we're not prepared, we'll turn away. To penetrate the disguises of false teachers, we can ask things like, number one, have their predictions come true? Or do they have to revise them to fit what's already happened? Uh, Number two, does any teaching utilize a small section of the Bible to the neglect of the whole? Number three, does the teaching contradict what the Bible says about God? And number four, are the practices meant to glorify the teacher or Christ? And finally, number five, do the teachings promote hostility toward other Christians? Well, the truth that heaven and earth will disappear is all that much more believable in our age of nuclear power and terrorism and bio-warfare. Jesus tells us, however, that even though the earth will pass away, The truth of His words will never be changed or abolished. God and His Word provide the only stability in our unstable world. I mean, how short-sighted people are who spend all their time and energy learning about this temporary world and accumulating its possessions while neglecting the Bible and its eternal truths. Mark chapter 13 tells us how to live while we wait for Christ's return. Number one, we are not to be misled by confusing claims or speculative interpretations of what will happen. Number two, we should not be afraid to tell people about Christ, despite what they might say or do to us. Number three, we must stand firm by faith and not be surprised by persecution. Number four, we must be morally alert, obedient to the commands for living found in God's Word, now, this chapter, by the way, was not given to promote discussions on prophetic timetables, but uh, to stimulate right living for God in a world where He is largely ignored. All right, that's enough of an overview and commentary. Let's begin our reading now here today in the New Testament. 
March 7th, the New Testament, Mark chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. The day is coming when you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where he should not be. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out on the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter, for there will be greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of His chosen ones, He has shortened those days. Then if anyone tells you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there He is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out! I have warned you about this ahead of time. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And He will send out His angels to gather His chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that His return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son Himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23. Asaph begins his psalm by describing God's final judgment of people on earth. Surprisingly, we read that God's great fury is leveled against his own people, or at least uh, those who claim to be his. You see, God's judgment must begin first with His own children, or else it simply would not be fair to everybody else. God's perfect moral nature demands that the penalty for sin be death. However, people could offer an animal to God as a substitute for their own lives, symbolizing their faith in the merciful, forgiving God. But the people are offering sacrifices 
and forgetting their significance. And the very act of sacrifice showed that they had once agreed to follow God wholeheartedly. But at this time, their hearts were not in it, as we shall read about here today. We may fall into the same pattern when we participate in religious activities, or tithing or attending church out of habit or conformity, rather than out of heartfelt love and obedience. God wants righteousness, not empty ritual. Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23, a psalm of Asaph. The Lord, the Mighty One, is God, and He has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Our God approaches, and He is not silent. Fire devours everything in His way, and a great storm rages around Him. He calls on the heavens above and earth below to witness the judgment of His people. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. Then let the heavens proclaim His justice, for God Himself will be the judge. Interlude O my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God, and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. But God says to the wicked, Why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? For you refuse my discipline and treat my words like trash. When you see thieves, you approve of them, and you spend your time with adulterers. Your mouth is filled with wickedness, and your tongue is full of lies. You sit around and slander your brother, your own mother's son. While you did all this, I remained silent, and you thought I didn't care. But now I will rebuke you, listing all my charges against you. Repent, all of you who forget me, or I will tear you apart, and no one will help you. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. Life gets tough And times get hard 
And it's hard to find the truth in all the lies guys this is Derek uh, just want to give a couple a couple affirmations out um, Adam um, Walter and Pete thanks guys for being there and making me laugh li- li- listening to me whenever I need an ear to uh, talk to and uh, I just thank you guys for that and uh, I love my team down in Lancaster right now love you guys man uh, keep pushing in and uh, it's my brother in heaven uh, Aaron love you man rest in peace Thanks. Yeah, what's up, guys? This is Blake. Um, just wanted to give a couple affirmations as well. Uh, first, Adrian Anderson. Uh, just want to say we all really appreciate you. I know uh, you kind of got thrown thrown into being a coordinator, uh, phase two coordinator overnight. But uh, you know, we can tell that you just really care, and that you know, it just comes from a real genuine place. Everything, uh, you know, all the knowledge and wisdom you try to give us comes from a good place. And just want to say we appreciate it. And uh, that just, when we know you care, it just makes us care that much more as well. Uh, next, uh, uh, Officer Farva, wanted to give you thanks too, buddy. Uh, you know we all love you. Keep a smile on our face, that's for sure, every day. Just one way or another. Uh, and last but certainly not least, uh, Jake Stewart. Jake. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, just keep, keep going, buddy, uh, even though you're a Duke fan. We look past that, and uh, 
just want you to know how much we uh, care about you, and uh, just keep going, buddy. Later, guys. Hi, guys. It's Pastor Delaney, and just wanted to let you guys know that our family has been lifting all of you in prayer. Realize that uh, this past week uh, has not been an easy one, and just wanted you to know that um, how much we love you and how much we uh, care for you and uh, that we are uh, mourning with you, but at the same time lifting you uh, for the courage and the strength that you need when life does bring adversity like we've had here in the last week or so. And today I want to talk a little bit about that because we are all going to face situations in life where our trust in the Lord will be tested. And you guys are in the process right now within the ministry of understanding what your purpose is. The things that we have uh, surrounded you with inside the ministry at every phase are there to help you discover the purpose that God has for your life. And when adversity comes in whatever form, whether it's tragedy with, uh, within you know, our sphere, or whether it's just the challenges of dealing with life, sometimes our purpose can get clouded because we're so focused on the circumstance. And so we lose sight of where God is wanting to take us, where God is wanting to grow us, where God is wanting to lead us. And so today I, I wanted to kind of talk about living a life of purpose. And in order to do that, um, one of the key pieces to the puzzle is that we have to, without question, inexhaustibly and inexplicably and intentionally trust in God. That our life of purpose, the purpose that we are discovering in some cases with you guys, the purpose that maybe we have uh, uncovered and now we want to walk in that, that God is saying, I want to walk in that with you and I want you to trust me with this direction. Trust me with this purpose that I have for you. And sometimes trust is difficult when things around us are chaotic, when things around us are challenging, when things around us don't make sense. And so it's critical that we maintain our trust in the Lord because He will continue to show us His will. He'll continue to give us direction for the difficult times. He will continue to open up our eyes and our ears and our path to the purpose that he has for us. And so here's what I want you to do today. I want you to take down this verse, write it down. It's Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, and it's from the New Living Translation today. And it says this, it says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. I'm encouraging you guys, don't ever throw that away. Maintain a confident trust in the Lord. That's that's not uh, wishy-washy men, not at all. That is saying with boldness and courage that in spite of all the things that go around me, everything that swirls around me, I'm going to maintain a confident trust in the Lord. I'm going to hold my head high and I'm going to put my faith that we've been talking about the last couple weeks, I'm going to put this confident trust in Him knowing, as the verse goes on to say, that remember the great reward that by that doing that by having that confident trust can bring you. Patient endurance is what you need now, this verse says. For some of you, that is tough. The disciplined life 
is the toughest part about walking out this new purpose, this new uh, path. Because it has been easy to, to live that life of instant gratification. The, the I want what I want when I want it. And now the Lord's saying, I need you that even in spite of when things aren't going smoothly, to have a patient endurance. And it's what we need now. And that comes through a confident trust. And why do we do those two things? It's so that we will continue to stay in the Lord's will. The verse actually says, so that you will continue to do God's will. What is God's will for your life? He wants you to uh, hang on to him, pursue him, allow him to lead you. And we do that through trust, confident trust, patient endurance, that in spite of things being a little squirrely around us, we're going to stay on the path that he has for us with that trust. Because the verse goes on to say, then you will receive all that he has promised. What has he promised? He's promised each one of us a life of fulfillment and purpose. He's destined us for freedom. He's destined us for hope and future. And so I need to carry this confident trust, as the writer of Hebrews said. So I'm going to give you three little simple things to remember when my trust starts to wane, when the adversity around me starts to pull on me a little bit too much, and my trust starts to become less than confident, what I want you to do is, is remember three things. The first thing is to remember that you can trust that the Lord is good and kind. Trust that the Lord is good. And so if things around me are bad, if everything around me is bad, I can hang on to the promise and the truth that the Lord is good, that his will for me is good. And when I can grab a hold of that when everything is bad, it's so important because it'll be maybe just the just the promise that I need to carry me through a difficult situation. Psalm 116.5 is the verse to write down for that. In the New Living it says this, How kind the Lord has, how good he is, so merciful this God of ours. A merciful, kind and good God, I can trust that. The next thing I can always trust is I can trust that by living my life for the Lord, that walking in the purpose and the will that he has for me, by walking in that confidently, that that is the best thing for me. The Lord has my best interests at heart all the time. And so if I'm trusting him confidently with patient endurance, trusting that his will is the good will for me, is the right will for me, then that's the best thing that I can do, especially when things aren't the best around me. Psalm 84 really confirms that. It says this, it says that one day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship that's with the Lord, beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches, is how the message puts it. And I love this part. It's, he says, I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Many of us have been in the palace of sin and been a guest there. And the Lord's saying, I want the best for you. And so by walking this out with me, in obedience with me, I want you to realize that a day with me is better than a thousand back in the old way. And then the last piece, and especially for us this week, is that trust God even when you're in the midst of difficult times, even when things are hard. And we're going to kind of go back to that Hebrews passage, and we're going to go back to verse 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 34 through 36. And I'm going to take this from the message again, but I want you to take this away. It says this, it says, Remember those early days after you first saw the light? 
Those were the hard times. Kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days it was your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile. You, nothing set you back, nothing really bothered you. So don't throw it all away now. It's still a sure thing. What's still a sure thing? This relationship with the Lord. You need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. So what do I want you to remember today? I want you to trust God because he's good. Trust God because he has your best in mind. And trust God even when things are suffering. When you are the target of abuse. When you're being kicked around in public. Even those times where you can remember being in prison. Don't ever think that that's where you want to go back to. Always remember that you can stick it out because God, with confident trust, is still always a sure thing. Come and go with me to my father's house. Come 
and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's my father's house. A big, big house with lots and lots of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's my father's house. This concludes today's broadcast. I pray that everyone who tuned in today was blessed by what they heard, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.